Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is that you are tuning in and listening to this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coffee and Christ. And I'm Robert Bolden, the host of Coffee and Christ. And this is my weekly peek, I guess your weekly peek into my daily process. I do this devotional process every day, and it has been such a huge part of my life, and I am so happy and excited that you're here with me today. Um, So let's jump right in the verse of the day today. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And of course, that is Psalms. It's actually Psalms 23. Uh, verse 6 and I'm I'm actually in the process of going through the Psalms now and um, you know it's so good and I and I realized the Psalms were were songs a lot of them written by David some by Solomon Uh, other authors were attributed to the Psalms and um, so it's really this one just is, is hope for me just you know surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever that is just you know hope you know if you think about a I think about a continuum and if this is indeed David writing this it's like he's not a hundred percent sure he's saying surely you know it's kind of like right God he wants to hear right God is that true so I think you know I can relate to that and I think for me what this is um, bringing up is you know I want to and I think I, I know I am continuing to take away that doubt like I'm moving further away from surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me to, you know, no doubt that your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I want to be able to, you know, (laughs) if he's pursuing me, stop and turn around and say, no, start running towards him too. And that's what I feel like I'm doing is, is running towards, towards God. So he doesn't have to pursue me. You know, I want to make it easier for him to just be in my heart, 100%, you know, total surrender to him. And frankly, it does make life so much easier and so much more joyful and peaceful. And I can enjoy you know, the beautiful new relationship that I've got going and just um, the beauty of fall. We're in the middle of fall and the leaves changing and um, the beauty and, um, you know, I've just been able to touch people's lives in a positive way and, and help them find their way you know, let the spirit work through me to help them find their way. It's just a beautiful way to live. And I am just enjoying it so much. So I love this. David, it's like giving, David gives us, I think, 
and the Psalms in general give us views of our lives at various different times because there's so much in the Psalms. So I'm sure as you read through Psalms, like I'm, I'll read through them a year from now and I'll be in a different space. So they'll have a different impact and I'll be able to resonate and relate to different ones based on where I'm at in my life at that time. So I think that's really cool. All right, have some Giormo coffee here from Italy with a little coconut milk steamed. It's really good. A little bit of uh, xylitol, which is like a healthy, uh, healthy sweetener in there. So it's good. All right, let's go to the devotional, which is Pure Jesus. That is the title of it. Jesus, your friend and family, the great high priest. I have two small children in elementary school. During the months of July and August, my wife and I make sure they're getting their summer reading done. At the beginning of every school year, we get a list of school supplies, which means we hit the big box stores until we check off every item. Once we are in the thick of the school year, we check in with their teachers to make sure they're doing well. It's a daily occurrence to get a download of their day at school, both in academics and in their relationships with others. If we foresee an issue in the horizon, we do our best to step in and hopefully create a teaching moment for them. In other words, we are constantly on guard, watching out for them. We have their backs, doing whatever it takes for them to do well and succeed. They are our kids, and like any parent, we say, we know what you are going through. We have been there. So we're going to go to Hebrews here. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Love that. Jesus came here to experience what we experience so we can relate to him. Right? I love that. So he experiences what we experience. Stuff that, again, it's all relative. I won't compare what he went through compared to what we went through. But you know, the ultimate sacrifice is what he made. So his life and then his teachings are just amazing uh, sources of wisdom and knowledge on how to live our lives. All right, let's go on. The writer is doing two things when he calls Jesus our great high priest. One, Jesus has come and he has fulfilled each and every prophecy regarding the coming of the Messiah. He is the one the people have been waiting for to rescue them from an otherwise bleak future. Only one person in all the Bible is given the title great high priest. And it was being declared here. He is the one. Boom. So true. Love it. Two, Jesus is there to go before us. He is always at the right hand of the Father, listening to our prayers and interceding on our behalf. In other words, he is always looking out for us. He's got our backs. And this is a new concept for me here recently. Understanding that Jesus is literally, I mean, that's the way I see it anyway, sitting at the right hand of God and saying, oh, look at Robert there. He's he's doing his best. <laughs> that may have been a wrong turn, but his heart is good. God, I know his heart is good. So that's, you know, that is so cool. So, um, you know, I want to make Jesus proud as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? I 
want to make him proud and that's that's so inspiring and it it just helps me so much in life as sin tempts me and uh, the world tries to distract me you know that is what that is what um, you know to the extent that I can lean into that and be aware of that in the moment it just helps so much and I feel like I'm getting better and better and better at it again I'm never gonna be perfect I'm never gonna be Jesus but I can aspire to be that way right without beating myself up because I know that you know like we all were born sinners we are that's our in our nature but boy when you can especially surround yourself with you know, a spouse who is heading in the same direction, a community of people, family and friends that are headed all in the same direction. It makes it, it makes it much more joyful to live in this world. All right, John 1:14 says that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God became a man and was here on this earth, walking and talking among us. He experienced the same temptations you and I experience today. Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. He experienced the loss of a friend named Lazarus. Judas, a friend he had spent three plus years with, betrays him and literally sells him out for what today would be about $600. Another disciple friend, Peter, denies he even knows Jesus. And let's not forget his agony and the reality of being beaten and nailed to a cross. Jesus knows pain, hurt, betrayal, and loss. This great high priest knows what it's like to be us. And he can certainly sympathize with our weaknesses. Hold firmly to him and hear him say today, I know what you're going through. I've been there and I'm here now and I've got your back. So good. I love that. Jesus has my back. That's really good. I love, I love, I love this. Okay. Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, And that is from John 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Boom! Love that. Love it. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Boom. I love the way Jesus handles the devil here. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. That's it. I feel like life is a constant temptation like that from the devil. And isn't it cool the way the way the Bible gives us, you know, situations that we potentially can face, right? Four different situations that we can face. We can apply to almost any situation in our own lives and gives us a way to turn away from the devil and turn back to God. You know, I just love that. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So don't chase money. That's what that brings to me. I mean, you know, money is what we think we need to live on. But it isn't money alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isn't that great? And scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God, and you must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. So again, you know, don't don't gloat and say, you know, well, I got God and you don't. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and worship only God serve only him I mean yes and that is Satan's biggest trick is to get us to worship another person money who we are what we have all that stuff and that what is what the fallen world has really fallen victim to and Satan you know fear that's another thing that you know I am you know working to you know, with every person I encounter to just, and I'm a little polarizing because I say anything fearful is from the devil. And I know fear can help you if a lion was coming to chase you or, you know, it's that instinctual fear or, you know, fear can lead you to your greatest accomplishment, right? Step into your fear. Um, But again, if you think about that, yeah, we've got God. We've got God. So, sure, fear can alert us. I always tell people, step into your greatest fear and God is going to reward you. So, yeah, it can alert us. But that doesn't mean we are using it for good in those circumstances. That doesn't mean it's a good thing or that it's a normal thing. I think it is Satan-induced. Um, and if he can keep you fearful... He's one, right? If he's preventing you from doing anything through fear, I believe that's his number one tactic. All right, John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. 
During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world, but at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up upon, welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. People who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, just imagine you were there and you saw that. There would be zero doubt. Zero doubt in your mind. And that is the message, you know, to me that I take away from this. There should be zero doubt. And there is zero doubt in my mind. <sighs> that Jesus was the son of God. God sent him here to do exactly what, what he did. And it's so powerful. So let us not be like the millions I don't know millions I'm just guessing here but you know you continue reading and and even look around today people are still doing crazy stuff um, because of their unbelief in in what Jesus taught and how he wants us to live how God wants us to live K 
Okay, Luke 22, the festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Isn't that interesting? Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 disciples. See how Satan works. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted. They promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. But even as Jesus said, and then Luke 22, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? He knew it. So they arrested him and led him into the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them. The servant girl noticed him in the firelight and she, she began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. But an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And again, Jesus knew that he would be betrayed. He told them, this is Matthew 26, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. Jesus showing his humanness. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed the reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and grabbed a stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled over his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was passing above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. People passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to be to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionists who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. You know, it's so interesting. Um, you know, it just it just begs to me, you know, as people, we can just question, question, question until we believe. And it's like that questioning comes from I believe, as I'm thinking about it out loud, you know, our past, our experiences, what stories were told to us, what environment we grew up in, the people that surrounded us, you know, what our parents spoke into us. So really, if you just take all of that stuff away, this is the way I like to start my masterminds and studies is, just for this time, let's just go keep your mind open and say, all right, this is true, what we're about to experience. Just, just for this time frame. And at the end, if you say, that was crazy, I'm not accepting it, then that's fine. But go into it with an open mind that this is true. And oh my gosh, you can see so much more and you can learn so much more. Because Jesus died for us so we can have the abundant life that God created for us. So we know how to turn away from sin. So that's what I would say with, you know, those of you, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, if you, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, then suspend questioning, just act, just follow him. <laughs> just like the disciples, he said, follow me, and they just did it. Just do it. And I guarantee you, not that my guarantee means anything to you, but I guarantee you, your life will improve and it will continue to improve. Yes, you'll still face circumstances and hardships, but it's the way you respond to those. You'll live a life of joy. At least that's what I've experienced to this point. And I just, I just love that. So that's what God is, is speaking to me is to continue to share this amazing truth with people um, and do it in a genuine way. And I know I can't reach everybody, but the people that God puts in my life, I want to reach them. Um, so I will continue to speak out and do things like this, this podcast and the YouTube channel that we're creating and we're going to launch here coming up and my new podcast on Mondays, Chasing Freedom. So you guys, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Subscriptions or likes, I guess. I don't know exactly how it works, but like it. Subscribe to it if you can, because uh, that's going to mean a lot to us as the months roll ahead here. 
and share it with your friends and have them subscribe as well. Hope you got something out of this. And remember, every Thursday, Coffee in Christ. This is Robert Bolden with Life Transformed. Our mission is to get people from out of isolation into community. Because once you experience community, you can get to freedom. We help you find your purpose, your true purpose in life. Um, because if you are successful, for example, but don't feel like it, like in this world's terms, you're successful, but you're like, wow, this is it. Then we definitely are a community of people that we want to embrace you. If you're seeking more out of life, those are the people that we need to help really impact other lives for the kingdom. All right, y'all have a great rest of your day.